Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, your toaster is getting its happy back. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson, and I'm here as always with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today on the show, what does it mean to forgive after your divorce? You can probably count many reasons to hold that grudge. You have all the reasons that led you to the divorce in the first place, plus the divorce process isn't normally a process that's naturally cultivating calm and understanding either. So how do you find peace in the process? Our guest today is Tawala M. Marks, host of Divorce Talk with Twyla and survivor of her own toxic divorce. We like to just call her Coach, though. Coach, welcome to the toaster. Thank you so much, Seth and Pete, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited about the show. You say in your own bio that you are a survivor of a toxic divorce. And so I thought it might be good to just start right there. You're in a toxic divorce. You end your toxic divorce. How do you start rebuilding and find space to forgive? I was married for 10 years. We had a blended family. I initiated the divorce for several different reasons and moved on. Uh, had two minor children. My daughter was from a previous relationship and he and I had a son together. Um, I was at my lowest point, didn't have a job, just knew I needed out. Um, I was very miserable, very unhappy. And um, once, once that process started, so I sought a legal counsel, hired an attorney. And then, you know what, like a lot of us do that experience divorce and clients that I speak with all the time, uh, we blame ourselves, right? We blame ourselves. We feel like we are a failure. Um, and we just sometimes don't really know how to move on. And talking about forgiveness, forgiveness is not an overnight process. It takes time. Um, it takes some self-evaluation. And you know what? And you forgive yourself, but then you have others to forgive, right? Because in my situation, my ex-husband did some things where I thought I'd never forgive him at all. But you know what? I know I knew I needed to do that. One being we had a child together. I can't hate this man for the rest of my life, right? We're going to have yeah. to co-parent here. So um, my story was kind of different as far as the forgiveness. It was kind of easy to forgive him because he asked me about two and a half to three years later, he asked for my forgiveness, meaning he just literally came to me and apologized and just asked me. Um, no, that doesn't happen all the time. And so and it was from a genuine, sincere place for him. And I didn't answer him right away. I prayed. I'm a Christian woman. I prayed about it. And I said, okay, I have to do this. And from that point on, our relationship, no, we weren't BFFs. We didn't go to dinner every Friday night or anything of that nature. But from that point on, the decision that he made to ask for, for my forgiveness, as, as well as me actually forgiving him, our relationship changed tremendously. And we were able to co-parent our son together. Seth, what what's your take on on forgiveness in the divorce process? My hunch is, after hearing Twyla talk about this, that if if you're mired in the grudge, you're going to have a, a hell of a time getting to the other side of a divorce. Oh, absolutely, and I think the first thing that I talk to clients about is when you're holding on to the hate that is allowing 
that person that you're hating so much control your thoughts, your actions? Why are you going to give them that control? There's a reason you're divorced. There's a reason you're no longer together. There's a reason you think you're better off walking this earth without that person by your side. Let them go. And the question is, how do you let them go? Even when you have to deal with them on parenting. And one of the ways that I like to tell people is lower your expectations. The zebra doesn't change their stripes. They're going to keep acting this way after divorce. Expect that they are going to be mean, cruel, vindictive, say things that aren't true, try to push your buttons. They're your buttons. Don't let them push them. Unplug them. Unwire them. Do what you need to do, but don't let that person control you. When you realize it's about how you choose to respond, it helps you get freed up. And I think what Coach was saying here is that, hey, It was even hard for her when he came and asked for forgiveness. That wasn't expected. That totally changed how she responded to such a degree. And coach, I'm not um, trying to say anything about your faith. You chose to pray on that. Right. Other people might have chose to meditate. Other people might have been so floored to be like, no, what's he up to? Right. Yeah. Right. Like there's a lot of ways that, but when it's a totally different approach that someone comes to you with, when your expectations are one and it's different, that then also changes how you respond, right? But those are very conscious choices that you make, whether you pray on it, whether you think on it, whether you go to counseling, whether you talk to your friends over a glass of wine, whatever you do, I think that's the hardest thing to understand is the hate is all controllable within you not what the other person is doing. And that's a hard pill to swallow because it's easy to deflect and just blame someone else. I go back and forth on this. There's one side, which is the, um, you know, the conscious choice side. And that is a real gift. It sounds like your former spouse coming to you and saying, you know, I, f- forgive me. I need I need forgiveness. And, and I think probably, you know, having the insight de- that I need forgiveness is a sign that I've grown in in some way shape or form and and the other side is does is is it possible for time to do what it does is it possible for time to allow you to move sufficiently to the other side of the event of your divorce of your separation of your grief in in losing you know someone so close to you at one point um to be able to move on with your life you're right. Uh, they say time heals all wounds. And, you know, if he would have came to me two weeks after, per se, I filed a divorce, there's been no way. <laughs> no yeah, right. way, because there were emotions <laughs> so involved. And so, I mean, he waited almost three years. And th- during that time span, we were in and out of the court. It was just a lot going on. And also, Pete, I don't believe time heals all wounds. That's a controversial position, Seth Nelson. That's it. <laughs> well, I agree. You have to choose <laughs> if you're going to move on. It is a decision. I've had cases go on for years. Wow. And you've you've seen it. And, and we've talked about it with some of our friends, Pete, that, you know, couples get divorced when they have young children. And it is 20 years later. And they're arguing about weddings and Uh, family events, and they can't both be invited at the same time. So it doesn't heal all all wounds. You have to take an active role in the healing and getting the tools to do that, whether it's with 
a life coach, a divorce coach, a mental health counselor, getting exercise, looking at things a different way. I think everyone has to do their own work. It takes two. It takes two, right? The other person could be such a jerk that it, even if you're like, it's okay, water off a duck's back, it might make the people around you uncomfortable, right? Kind of like you're that uncle at, at Thanksgiving, you know? Like, there's always the guy at the table. I, I was going to blame myself. I decided to blame right you. What are you doing? <laughs> there's always people doing stuff that makes things uncomfortable and then they don't get invited. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's all I'm and saying. And I think that I think that pivot is a good one because we talk about like you know the former spouse coming to you and asking for forgiveness. The other side of that discussion to me is at what point are you able to forgive yourself for your contribution for taking some sort of responsibility? And does that help you move past it? Does that help you talk about your past marriage with greater authenticity and authority once you're able to say, "Yeah, I did this thing. I my part of it was." XYZ, how do you get, how do you open that dialogue with yourself? I believe that once you do uh, forgive and sincerely move on and your life gets better, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's like a light bulb goes off. There's sunshine now and you can move forward um, in a positive light. And for me, in my experience, I did, my kids and I, we did. It was better. It took a load off our shoulders, especially when my ex-husband at the time and we would be in the same place. My son played football. And prior to the forgiveness, I sat as far away as possible <laughs> from him, sometimes on the opposite uh, opposing team side, just to be away from him and out of his presence because I just did not want to be near him. And so yeah, things got better. Um, you know, we were able to discuss college plans and things of that nature like co-parents should. And and think about that a little bit, though, Pete. From a kid's perspective, what a difference in that kid's life when his parents now can sit next to each other if they're at an event as opposed yeah. to literally on the opposite side of a field. <laughs> I was going to say that's like not even a metaphor anymore. That you're right. literally yeah, on yeah, the opposite you know. team's side. And, you know, coach is wearing the other team's jersey to fit in with their families yeah, over there. Right. It's bad, right? You know, like, right. But if you think about that in a very granular point, right? Coach, what position did your son play in football? DB. Defensive back. Okay. Yes. All right. He makes a big play. He's celebrating with his team. And sometimes they want to look into the stands and see if their parents are watching. That child has to choose which way to look. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. That's so traumatic. It's so traumatic. Right. But it's better than having parents have conflict. So I always advise parents, sit together if you can without conflict. Your kid doesn't have to make that choice. And if you can't, at least sit five or six rows in line behind and don't feel if you're in front that there's like eyes staring at the back of your head. They're not. They're watching the kid on the field or they're on their phone like most parents in the stands, right? Or if you're the one in the back, don't be staring at your former spouse. I think I just got what you're talking about because then when the kid's on the field, they can stare at one straight line and catch both parents. You got it. 
they don't have to make the choice. One straight line. That's so smart, Seth. Well, like every now and then, Pete, even a blind squirrel, you know? <laughs> so, um, but coach, when you're working with the people that are coming to you, or is this the type of advice you're, you're giving them? And, and how, do the, how do you get them or tools you give them to let go? Let go of the anger, let go of the hurt, let go of it so you can move on with your life. Definitely give them advice um, to move on. You know, my motto is all about getting your happy back. And so uh, it's kind of difficult to get your happy back if you're still holding grudges and still holding on to the past. So at some point we have to move forward. We have to do things to go forward and move forward because that's over. It's not happening. It's over whether they initiated the divorce or not. And so I give them tools. I say, go have fun. Do something that you like to do for yourself. Because a lot of times we lose ourselves in a marriage. I know I did. I didn't even know what I like to do after I got divorced. What does Twyla like to do? So I uh, give them that um, advice and suggest that they get out there and not necessarily get out there and start dating. No, 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 no. Work on you. Got to do the work on you. Get into some therapy. Um, go on a walk, go, if you like sporting events, take yourself to a sporting event, take yourself out to dinner. I know it can be awkward and, you know, kind of initially you think everybody's watching you in the restaurant, but once you get past that, because what, what the, um, what the thing is here, what I'm trying to get them to see is that we have to get back in tune with who we are. Who am I? Because I may have lost myself in this marriage. I agree with that 100%. And I had this view about going out to eat by myself, which I did a lot. I was not going to let the fact that I was eating alone stop me from having a really nice meal. Because I'm either eating alone at home in front of the TV, having crap food, because I wasn't into cooking back then. I've changed. I've cook a fair bit now. I'd like to say, Pete, it's pretty tasty. Yeah, you're a culinary genius. You know, but I'm like, if I want to go out and have a nice glass of wine and a nice meal, then I'm going to go do that. And if people are looking at me, then they're looking at me. And you don't know. You might meet somebody. Who knows? But you can go out and have a nice time in dinner by yourself. And so I would encourage people to do that. I have, I'll tell you, I have a lot of uh, just generalized uh, anxiety about things, you know, open bodies of water, uh, uh, sharks, uh, seaweed. Yeah. Uh, But one thing that I have never had a problem doing, and it always strikes me as funny, is eating by myself. Uh, It is, I get a weird... a, a, a weird sort of subversive joy about just breaking out my my phone and reading a book while I'm eating by myself. And it, if I can just say one thing to those who have anxiety about eating by themselves, uh, it is uh, that it it everybody who's staring at you is probably a little bit jealous. I was about to say, Pete. Everyone that's telling you is like, I would rather not be on this date and just be eaten by myself. What <laughs> right. I would give to tuck into a great book with this good food and not have to worry about the social oh, obligation. God, right when the guy ordered the appetizer, yeah. I knew we were done, and now I've got to sit through dessert. Come on, the whole now. dessert. Just know, they're probably a little jealous, and that might help you get through, uh, get over the hump of any uh, any anxiety that that comes with it. Yeah, I'm a big fan. All right, uh, Twyla, tell us first. Uh, tell us about your podcast. Or your YouTube show, right? It's a YouTube show, is it? Yes, it's a live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fancy. So it's Divorce Talk with Twyla. And it's where we talk all things divorce from co-parenting to dating to 
uh, financial advice, oh, just a myriad of topics as it relates to divorce. And it's every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time out there on YouTube. I also go live on my Facebook pages, Divorce Talk with Twyla, and my Facebook group, Life After Divorce, Get Your Happy Back. And you also have, uh, you've got a book? Yes. Uh, the Unexpected, The Ride of My Life. It's, it chronicles your process. Yes, it's my life story. And I give the reader a snippet of who I was as a child, some issues that I went through, and then I move right on into my adulthood, marriage, divorce. I take you through the journey. I take you on the roller coaster, the ups and the downs, the corkscrews and dips. <laughs> we take it all. We take it all. Well, uh, Twyla, I'll tell you, um, thank you so much for uh, for what you're doing, for joining us and, and talking a little bit about finding forgiveness uh, on the way to getting your happy back. That's right. What do you, when you're, when you're with your clients, let's just pretend for a second that Seth isn't here. You're with your clients and they say, God, I'm having a terrible time with my attorney. Do you ever give them advice on how to like work with their attorney? You can tell me. Seth's not here. <laughs> Actually, this is I, to, the direct answer is no. But I always okay. <laughs> tell clients because I have clients that come to me. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I'm answer. sitting right you're, here. You're not here. Quiet you for a second. But listen, I uh, um, I have clients that come to me they may be contemplating divorce. And I do say this, I tell them this because I did the same thing. I talked to three different attorneys before I made a decision on the one that I was going to retain. And so I asked them to do the same. And I have a very good attorney friend. And she said, when a client comes to her, she tells them not to hire her right off the bat, go talk to a few more. And I did that. And I agree with that 100%. I don't quite do that, but I do do something a little different. Okay. I will tell them that if they, I ask, have you spoken to other lawyers? And if they say yes, I'll ask them who. They get very nervous when I ask them. And they ask why. I said, well, I want you to go to a good lawyer. And if you keep it between us, I'm happy to give you my inside the divorce world view of my own view of whether this person's a good lawyer or not. And then I say, and I'll make you a deal. No matter how many people are on your list, if I tell you they're not good for every name I tell you they're not good, I'll give you another name of someone that's good. Go talk to them. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I value the attorney-client relationship immensely. It's extremely important to me. And therefore, I want you to get the right fit for you. And I might not be the right fit. And if I'm not, I don't want to find that out three, six months, eight months down the road, let's just get you with someone else now. And sometimes I'll get a Google review saying, great initial consultation. I actually went with another lawyer. And then sometimes say, I wish I would have gone with Seth. But sometimes there's like, it wasn't the right fit for me, but he gave me other names. Like, and, and that is just so important because not everybody gels. And it's such a hard time in people's life. There's nothing wrong with someone doing a little shopping. I get worried if they've talked to eight or 10 lawyers, right? And then if they give me the list and they're all bad, I'm like, okay, you're really not good at, good at these Google searches. But other than that, you got to kind of figure it out. I agree. That's it. I, it, I, I also value the uh, podcast attorney relationship. It took me a long time to find the right attorney to do a podcast with. I'm glad I landed on Seth. That's awesome. Yeah. How many, <laughs> how many lawyers did you interview, Pete? It took me a while to get to Florida. I'm in Oregon, man. Did did they take your calls? (laughs) (laughs) 
how much was the initial consultation? That's right. That's right. Uh, Twilight Gad, thank you so much for your uh, for your time, your participation in this wackadoo show. We appreciate you, uh, your expertise in uh, getting your happy back and finding the path to forgiveness. Awesome. Thank you all so very much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. On behalf of Twyla and Marks and Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.